studying from this book of Dr. Summerall's. Um, you guys can uh, have one each, or if you want to split one, you're not sure you're going to. We we are in Chapter 6 this week, and so just, just do whatever you feel led to do. Uh, we do have a real quiz at the end of it, so I hope that's not too too baby for everybody. But I don't trust y'all, so no, I'm messing with you. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Somebody go to sleep or something, so I'll be sleeping up in here. So, uh, yeah, but it's an open book. I know, right? Just to keep them alert. Right, 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 right. So you can't flunk out of this school, amen. It's the school of the prophets. You don't flunk out of this one, so Amen. <laughs> You can't get an F around here. So, amen. Praise God. Amen. So, anyway. So, we're on page 69, and we're talking about angels in the life of Jesus. And it's very important for us to know that uh, Jesus was surrounded with angels all of his life, both in heaven and once he came down here to earth, he was uh, privy to angelic help. And the nice thing about uh, Jesus is he was able, he had the spirit without measure. So he knew a whole lot about their their goings on than we do. But we can tap into that somewhat to get an understanding of how angels help and minister to those who are heirs of salvation. You are in your salvation inheritance now. You were in your salvation inheritance before you got born again. Amen. Because angels were free to minister. How many of y'all know if you, if the devil could have killed you, you'd be dead already? Amen. So you benefited from the ministry of angels uh, since you've been here. Amen. Before you were wise enough and your eyes were enlightened enough to understand who God was, and that you didn't want to run from him anymore, but you finally wanted to serve him, man. Uh, some of y'all have been tackled by God in bars and nice places, hell holes, and all kind of stuff. Remember them times your your buddies? Um, who was that um, that song Larue does about mercy? He said your partner was dead on the floor and it was mercy. It wasn't your looks and charm and all that kind of stuff. It was God's mercy. Amen. Where, where angels pulled you out of those places. Amen. I was a kid in the family. I couldn't go to the swimming pool. Almost drowned. Next thing my mother know, they calling the, uh, whoever, police, EMTs, ambulance or somebody. And she looked out just like my husband did after we were married. It was either my mother or my husband looking, oh there she is. Lucy, you got some splaining to do. That's what my husband would say. Because I was always either half dead, pronounced dead, or almost dead. So I know personally if the devil could have killed me, it would have killed me a long time ago. It doesn't even phase me anymore. I had a situation. This is after I've been adult and been in ministry. Uh, The um, police uh, were telling people that I had been abducted. That was my last grade grade experience. They were saying I was abducted. I was a victim of a carjacking. And so I had... 
left my keys my ignition running i don't know why i'm going through this dead old story again but i guess i should i left my ignition running in my purse in my car so it looked like a legitimate carjacking and the police had my purse and my car and the perps they didn't get very far because i had reported it stolen and they picked up the car and them but i was still gone well, I was at some Jehovah Witnesses. <laughs> I was doing a prayer meeting. I was praying for my stuff to be found. I walked in the house. The girl that I was there for lived upstairs. She wouldn't open her door. She's at home. I don't know what she was hiding for. But I knocked on the first available door open and some Jehovah Witnesses were in there. And they said, well, we're having our, our meeting. I said, we're going to pray to Jesus right now. I said, I don't care what y'all do and what y'all normally do, but we're praying to Jesus right now. Because my stuff is missing and I'm getting my stuff back right now for the day is over. Let no devil hold your stuff for ten minutes. You have a hard time getting it back. Amen. So the policeman came to the house and found me there. So he's calling people. She's here. She's safe. She's alive. And I, the first thing that, oh, Lord, please don't let my husband know. And sure enough, guess who's at the police station when I get there? It's him. And he's, he said, you know, they called me at work. <laughs> He said, I told him my wife ain't kidnapped. Nobody would have enough nerve to kidnap my wife. <laughs> Carjacked. Are you kidding me? So anyway, it was I got some explaining to do. But it seems like all my life I've been explaining why I'm still alive. The devil, he was prompt. Every seven years he would make an attempt on my life. You got me? People would read in the uh, uh, phone, uh, I read in here somebody with your name and your address and just like you and your age was hit by a car and killed. I'm just calling to make sure you're still here. You got me? So don't be upset if you find yourself on his hit list. He cannot kill you. Amen. The angels of God encamp around you before you have sense enough to know that you got to be saved. If he could have killed you, he would have killed you a long time ago. And so God has a plan for us, and it will not be interrupted because of. You got me? I don't care what happens to you. His plan will never be interrupted in your life. So, And I'm a witness to that. So praise God. So on page 69... We were talking about angels in the life of Jesus, and he had been familiar with them uh, throughout eternity. Amen. He was present in the creation of the heavenly host. We know that God the Father created all things through his Son, amen, who is the Word of God. So it says here, when we consider those events in human history that have changed the world, there are really very few. Chief among those that that do rank in that category, however, is the coming and walking among us of God himself in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. So the life of Christ is probably the most significant life ever to come into the world, come into the earth. It says, certainly those were the most remarkable 33 years of all time. 
Given the extraordinary nature of the incarnation and the importance of the mission Christ came to accomplish, it's not surprising that angels were very much in evidence in association with the birth, life, death, and resurrection of the Lord. So you can see angels being active in the life of Jesus from conception to ascension. Same thing with you and me. We're the body of Christ. So angels are active in our lives from conception to ascension, resurrection, you know, whichever would come. We ascend if we're here when he comes, but if not, we get resurrected on that day. It says here in that chapter, he says, uh, if there, if ever there was a life in which angels had cause to be involved, it was the life of Jesus. In this chapter, we want to look specifically at how angels were involved in the earthly life of Christ. We've already mentioned most of the relevant scripture passages in earlier chapters, but we want to bring them together here with a few others and focus on the place on or role of angels in the life of the most remarkable man in history, God in human form. <clears throat> the story of angelic involvement in the life of Christ really has to start before we even look at Mary and Joseph, for God had ordained that a prophet would go before the Messiah, both to announce his coming and to prepare the hearts and minds of people to receive him. Now, there's, he doesn't say this, but if you think about what John the Baptist did in helping to prepare the hearts and minds of people for the coming of the Lord, Think about that, what that means for people who are uh, heirs of salvation, like people that you are praying for to be saved and to come to know Christ. They have angelic help just in the fact that they are outside of the covenant and need to be brought in. Those people have to stay alive until God decides to bring them in. Amen. They have to be spoken to and their hearts changed and their minds changed and all kinds of ministry that angels are responsible to do for them before they even come into a knowledge of God. So for those of you who are praying for people to be changed and and Lord knows we need it. We all need it. (laughs) The body of Christ needs to be changed. You know, we're we're continuing to be transformed. Amen. You know, be encouraged because God has a lot of help for them in that that transition process. Um, There are many things that people will tell you throughout uh, their life. They've had encounters with God or they've had uh, situations where God intervened for them in a miraculous way where the ministry of angels is very much uh, in play. Many times there are people uh, who are like these uh, three gentlemen, we'll talk about it in the afternoon session, but the three Americans who were just released from prison in North Korea. Uh, angels keep them, uh, people like that, alive until they're able to be rescued. Do you understand me? So there's all kinds of angelic activity. We don't see it, we don't, uh, but we be- become the beneficiaries and recipients of it. Angels will speak to people on your behalf. You know, they'll speak to loan officers and, you know, people sit up there. You know, you go in there to buy something and you think your credit is pretty good. Once the loan people get finished with you, you went from like here to like that tall. Huh? 
just because they and they come in instead of encouraging you to sign on they just whack you where your credit's not hell and i see where you didn't oh you got too much uh negative equity that's something they use that word now huh i would say i don't have no negative nothing honey ain't nothing about me negative huh and my god say i say yes and amen to what he has yes and amen on my part and i and as a matter of fact i might be changing my mind about buying your little stuff up in here you know the yes and the amen is on me huh Oh, if the devil mess your head up. God will send an angel to talk to the chief person in the whole office and tell him you like this person. Huh? Huh? God let your angel speak up for me on my behalf. I need somebody to tell somebody they like me. All you need is a like. You know, you get them so often on Facebook, it's like, what's hard about a like? huh? They either approve of you or they don't. They don't need a good reason to approve or disapprove your credit. All you need is a like. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, I've had people tell me, there's something about you. I say, really? <laughs> I wonder what it could be. Huh? Yeah, I know what it is, but I ain't going there. <laughs> really? Huh? Little old me? I'm the least. Whatever. Just give me my stuff, you know. Let's, let's keep it moving. <laughs> Get your next customer. So anyway, John the Baptist, his birth was foretold by the angel Gabriel. Amen? It says, <clears throat> the parents chosen for the prophet were Zacharias a priest and his wife Elizabeth. They had never had children because Elizabeth was barren, and now they were also beyond the childbearing years. It says here, but God sent the angel Gabriel to Zacharias, as we saw earlier, to announce that not only would he and Elizabeth have a child, but also that their child would be the Messiah's forerunner, John the Baptist. Later, when John the Baptist and Jesus were grown, God, John did indeed prepare the people for Christ, pointing out their sins and calling for repentance. And when Christ was ready to begin his public ministry and John's work was through, John said, you yourselves bear me witness that I told you I'm not the Christ. I must, he must increase and I must therefore decrease. So John did his ministry. And, of course, you all know he was beheaded because of some drunks. You understand me? But his his work was done, and he probably pretty much understood that his work was done. And so he, because there was nobody, he was a dead man anyway. Let me put it to you this way. Because nobody gets to share the glory with God. If Jesus is preaching, John has to go. Because you can't have the glory on two vessels. You understand what I'm saying? So he was a forerunner. And when his earthly ministry was done, because he tried to live longer. 
when he was in prison they were getting ready he didn't know what was going to happen he sent his his, sort of his boys to ask jesus are you really the messiah i told john come on now let's or should we look for another one but john didn't test you up in the jail when you're in prison you're supposed to be ever so nice to everybody amen but that was a signaling to him people deal with their own demise in a lot of unique ways and that was he knew it was over uh, when jesus didn't come and rescue him and his usual for getting rescues prophets have all kinds of, of available um i would say escapes in their lives he probably escaped a lot of trouble in his life over the years and it wasn't working this time so he knew something different was going on and so jesus then was able to do his earthly ministry see the anointing doesn't conflict Uh, you don't have dueling preachers and cutting up each other and conflicting in the anointing the anointing which is the power of the holy spirit he doesn't argue with himself he doesn't you know argue with one another that kind of stuff and so we have to understand that for reasons of uh peace and and unity in the spirit john's ministry being over john had to go there are people that loved him looked up to him would admire him and take away the emphasis that needed to be on Jesus during his ministry. So for those of y'all that like to fight each other in the pulpit, I don't know who that is, but don't let it get to that. You know what I'm saying? On the Internet. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You just don't. uh, You know, you see people on social media, preachers, they get to striving with one another. That should not be. You know, let them say what they want to say and let God be true and every man a liar. You understand what I'm saying? God will, God will settle that. It's not hard for God to settle disputes. So, John, John decreased and Jesus increased. <clears throat> the angelic telling of the coming of the Lord. So he says, angelic involvement in Christ's life continued before he was born. The, uh, uh, the vessel that God chose, Mary, to be the earthly mother of Jesus Christ, was already, before the foundation of the earth, she was chosen. Amen? And so it wasn't about uh, getting a substitute at the last minute or either anything like that. Once you're chosen, you're chosen. Because God is holy, he doesn't make mistakes. He can't make mistakes. So once he chooses you to do something... Uh, keep a doing it. You know, uh, I remember there's some people that, that kind of looked at their ministry a, a little bit differently than what it turned out to be. I remember Gloria Copeland saying that, uh, she said, well, God told me to do a healing meeting and I did one and I said, well, okay, God, uh, what else do you want me to do? He said, I want you to keep doing it. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So once you're called, you're always called. God doesn't switch up your calling. You know, I can I can sit at that door and pretty much recognize different gifts, ministry gifts as they walk in. Prophets are loud even when they they don't say anything. 
they just kind of they're kind of some talks to you about them you know the hair is is loud the you know is something about them speaks that they're a voice for god and a loud voice amen and so that thing that marks you in your gift and calling is there regardless i don't care how you try to hide it you got me you can you can wear the most inconspicuous outfit and then it's just something there's a loudness there there's a pronouncing there that gives you away and so people who are in the spirit can see it the devil can see it all it's known very much in the spirit and it never changes God doesn't call you a teacher one day and an evangelist the next day. He just doesn't call you different. How confused would you be if one day your mother called you Jane and the next day she called you Sam? And if she called a different name at the dinner table, get real suspicious. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) You want the right name at dinner time, don't you? Amen. So God doesn't do that. He's not the author of confusion. It's people who are confused. And so that that calling is there from the foundation of the earth. It's unmistakable. The works that God's called you to do are already preordained. You don't get to do somebody else's what they like to do. And you see so much of that now that that people have liberty. You know, back in the day, you only went to your own church and the pastor didn't let you go anywhere. Now people have a freedom. You know, you should have a freedom to to obey God, not get up and go when you want, where you want to go. And so now people think that now that they're exposed to different uh, types of ministries and different types of gifts, they want to start borrowing what they do for God. You can you can be inspired by somebody, but we don't need two and three of the same people we see on television all the time. We need people to help do what they're called to do. People talk about the man at the gate, beautiful. You know, well, Jesus walked past him. How come Jesus didn't he? Jesus' name wasn't on that miracle. Peter and John, their name was on the miracle. You understand what I'm saying? If your name on, on, I don't care. The son of God couldn't claim something that didn't belong. His works were foreordained before the foundation of the earth. You understand me? And so there's an order in God's kingdom and there's a, 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 a rank, but there's also a predestination to things. We are predestined to do what you're, you're supposed to be here right now. You're not out of season, you're not early, you're not late. You're ordained to be here. If you felt the nudging of God to come here, or somebody beat you up and, and threw you in a trunk and made you come. You understand what I'm saying? Are you here? So you're God ordained to be here. We don't have any hostages in this place. Everybody's God ordained to be here. So praise God. Even some of you who came with mom. You're supposed to be here. Amen. So this angel Gabriel was sent to Mary because she was foreordained to this this role that she was to play. And this time to tell her that what was about to happen. When Gabriel gave her the news, Mary was understandably perplexed. Gabriel explained, however, that it was the power of God himself that would cause it to happen. 
Notice Mary's reaction then to the news. She said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, let it be unto me according to thy word. Now, Zacharias that we saw, who was John the Baptist's father, got similar news. He got news that he would have a son. Amen. Now, these things happen by faith a lot of times. You know, faith has no calendar, right? Right there. <laughs> yeah, I want to rush God into doing something. Uh, biological clock ticking away. You know that don't move God? Ah. Right. <laughs> the clock? I make clocks. You understand what I'm saying? I make everything. Huh? Make you over again. So they both received similar news. Zechariah, though, was in something what we call uh, unbelief, but it was a, a, a final. Mary was in the unbelief that was movable. You got me? So this is what happens to us when you believe in God for something, and then one day you don't feel so spiffy about things. Mad about something, and, 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 and that unbelief may where may grab your soul, but then it's movable because the minute the word, I said, "Girl, come on now." I was praying for you a minute ago, and guess what God told me? He said, "Yes, yes, 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 yes." See, your unbelief was movable, and that's what Mary had. She had movable unbelief. She was open to hear further what the angel had to say to her. That's all you got to do is be open. Don't let your heart shut down and say you don't want that forever. You better let that old rascal in when he come back. Caught you. That's just movable unbelief. You got me? Women do get weary, weary. <laughs> Oops, sorry. <laughs> but that's movable unbelief. Huh? You done been mad at him so many times, it's pathetic. And you got over it every, huh? 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 Talk to me, somebody. So your unbelief is movable. Huh? We get scared if we think it's going to final answer. Oh, God, I'd have messed up for real. I'm really mad at him. Yeah, yeah, it's unmovable unbelief. <laughs> Zechariah's, though, was immovable. Amen. And they were facing similar obstacles with Zechariah's, a barren wife, and their age. With Mary, it's no husband. You got me? And so they were both in positions where that unbelief could have been immovable. But Mary, because her heart was open to receive an answer, you know. So Zechariah, what happened to him? He was struck dumb. Amen. Because there's sometimes there's no room in the equation for that kind of unbelief. You ever get over yourself? You thought well, you was really upset that time. You really show that brother who's the boss around here. Huh? 
Yeah. And you got scared. You know, I used to say this. I said, if and and people want to leave each other all the time. I mean, don't get offended if you know your spouse says, "Well, I'm going." The Lord said, "Just as long as you don't help him pack." Don't get too nervous. Understand what I'm saying? When you start helping them pack, you're in trouble. You really need to get on your knees then. You got me? But uh, unbelief can be movable. Got me? But Zechariah, amen. Zechariah and his wife had probably prayed about having children years ago. And then as they get older, hardness of heart set in. And that's what's kind of hard to move. As long as your heart's repentant and at the end of the day you're willing to tell God, okay, God, I'm sorry, I was mean all day, I was mad all day, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get yourself straight again. You're back in, you know, this happens to people all the time. If you could see the devil sitting outside your house, parked in the driveway at the mailbox and just ready to mess your head up, You'd show yourself a little more mercy. Do you understand what I'm saying? So God gives us mercy so that our unbelief does not get like Zacharias where it's immovable. But check this out. There's greater mercy where that's abounding. Because really, if God had not been merciful to them too, he would have skipped right over them and given that blessing to somebody else. But he shut that man's mouth so that his unbelief could not wreck the train. Because some things, some trains in God's kingdom are moving at such a pace that if he doesn't take some stuff out of that, it can cause a train wreck. But God allowed that that mouth to be shut. The other thing is that he's a priest. He has an anointing. His words have more power than the average bear. You got me? So there are times when he shuts your stuff down just so your words of power don't wreck your train. You got me? his mercy both ways it's the mercy of God amen both ways so Mary had movable unbelief that moved right out of the way when he said how shall I know this I do not know a man amen innocent question young woman it's you know she's stating who she is you know instead of saying you got the wrong one honey you know that kind of stuff and so Her unbelief moves out of the way and she says, let it be unto me according to your word. As long as God gets that, let it be unto me according to your word at the end of the conversation. Your your faith is secure and your faith is reestablished. And so Mary has the faith. These angelic visitations also increase their faith. 
because this is a now live living word of God that if you will receive it, it does the work it's supposed to do. There's a work that God's word does in us that we can't manufacture on your own. God knows how to minister the word to us so it can do what it needs to do. This, this, the anointing is, is likened to water, fire, likened to pretty much all of the elements as fire and, and it's also a sword. So the word of God can come in you and pierce out of your soul anything that would hinder it from getting to your spirit. And so God knows how to turn up the anointing on words so that they penetrate and do what they're supposed to do. You ever have a normal conversation with somebody and you something comes out of your mouth and it has a different and it kind of hits them and they may look a little stunned for a minute. They really notice what you just said well that's the anointing the holy ghost just turned the fire up a little bit on that last bit now you was yanging and yanging and going on and on and on and then all of a sudden your mind drifted over to something else you wanted to say in the conversation and the fire got turned up on it well that's the anointing it has to penetrate and it has to leave an impression and it has to be remembered it has to register in that person's spirit so that that word is a secure word. It gets in there. This goes beyond your little repetition of your confession. I believe I received my healing. I am healed. I am healed. I am healed. This ain't that. This is something that comes in. That's good. Don't get me wrong now. But there's anointings on the word and there's anointings on the word. And so this is something, and God says, now listen, she's all, always submerged in this thought and that thought. I'm going to put this in there in a way that she won't forget it. And it goes in with a different empowerment. That's the way the angelic, the words of the angels did when they visited people. That word would penetrate, and then you have the presence of the angels of God. And, and uh, um, a... An impression that it leaves you that you've had a real visitation from God and this thing is the most real thing that's happened to you in your life in a long time. That's the way the word of God is supposed to register with us. And then there are times where he embellishes his word because it's very, very important in what he's called you to do. Very important in your life. Very important with your, your family. Very important with the things that he gives you responsibility for. So that anointing that came with the angelic visitation left such an impression on you. And what that visitation says is that it says we're mobilizing things. God is moving things now in the earth and you're a part of, you got a, a ticket on this train and you can't miss it. You gotta be on this train, you gotta be on there today, and you gotta be delivered at a certain time. You got me? And so God does, does things to ensure that His plan is not derailed. We've been praying for, for North Korea. How long have we been praying persecuted church consistently? Probably the last three months, uh, three years, or at least three years. And North Korea's been at the head of the list. For abusing Christians, apprehending people illegally, 
persecuting the church in that country. And then all of a sudden, you look up and three men, two of them I know are pastors. I believe they're all Christians. They're released from there. Now, everybody who had a ticket on that train had to be on that train because that train had to arrive on time. Because when God is doing something, he has the people who are players in that. You know, there are times when I'll pray about things and and I'll say to myself, I say, well, I want to be a part of that miracle. Now, where did that come from? Come on now. I'm sitting up there in front of the TV and hoping my dog don't outsnore me. Huh? But see, my spirit will come alive to certain things. Now, what does that mean? Well, you know, sometimes I'll ask God, I say, well, what? He said, well, what you want to do is you want to partake of that faith, that anointing, that power. You see, if I just wanted to be a part when it's over, I'd go and rejoice with people and pretend like I've been praying. Well, no shade at nobody. (laughs) You know how people do. You get to answer the prayer, you get to rejoice, and I pray for you. You ain't done what you want to say. Huh? Yeah, I want to be, hey, if, if you got, God, you're doing miracles, sign me up. I want to do my part. You understand me? <laughs> I'm in the miracle praying business. Business. That's my business. So, <clears throat> God God then begins to minister through the angels the truth of his word with the anointing that penetrates breakthrough unbelief, shuts down unbelief that needs to be. You notice when that angel told Zechariah he wasn't going to speak again until the baby was born, he didn't speak, did he? So there was anointing there to back that word up with power. And so we, we, you got to understand that there are times when that's necessary. Amen. There are times when that's necessary. After Mary found we're on page 72, she was pregnant with a Christ child. Joseph, her betrothed husband. Now I'm not going to park there and talk about these long engagements Christians have. Her betrothed husband wanted to put her away secretly to protect her from shame. Surely Mary had told him now, I mean, how the pregnancy had come about, but apparently he was having trouble believing it. Huh? Mary, what? I know that ain't my baby. This was before the DNA test. No, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. It's just... This is wrong. I'm going to keep moving. So anyway, but he he knows that he's not the father of this child. Now, does he believe Mary or does he need some further convincing? Hmm? Uh, The brother needs some further convincing. And you would, too. Try to act all holy because Joseph, hey, my baby, I don't know what you're talking about. So he's thinking, "Mm, how do I get out of this (laughs) nice Hebrew boy? 
supposed to have a virgin, not a virgin, pregnant, what up? So, so he has to have some convincing done. And so, like I say, everybody's got a ticket on this train. It's got to get on the train. They got to get on there in faith. And they can't be lacking in their confidence in God that this is what God wants them to do. Same thing with us. If, if God wants you to do something, he's got to convince you to do that. I can't convince you. You got me? Uh, he, it, it has to come through your heart what it is that he has for you. So then uh, Joseph, let me see. So an angel was sent to reassure Joseph that what Mary was telling him was true. And it was Mary's uh, about her pregnancy and to encourage him to take her as his wife. Amen. Joseph obeyed, giving us another example of gracious obedience to God. The next part of the story is where the angels in the life of Jesus, when Christ was born in Bethlehem, God sent an angel to shepherds in a nearby field to announce his birth. He, they, the angel brought them good tidings of great joy. And it was a story about the coming of the Savior. As if we had not been enough, had not been enough to generate fear and awe in the hearts of the shepherds, after the angel told them where to locate the child, a multitude of angels appeared with the first one, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So angels here are used to verify prophecy. Because it was prophesied that Jesus was the Messiah was to be born and they didn't just leave it for people to either believe or not believe. They assured the people that this was the prophecy being fulfilled. This was the Messiah. This was the child that was going to uh, do all of the things that they believed. All the prophecies that they had about the Messiah was going to be fulfilled in them. Try to imagine yourself in that situation. Think what it must have felt like. Then perhaps you can regain some of the wonder of that first Christmas. Think, too, of the overflowing joy and amazement the angels must have felt as they proclaimed that their creator God now lived among men as a tiny baby. The Messiah needs protection as a baby. If the devil can kill whatever it is that you're doing in seed form, he'll get it. Amen. So you have to protect seeds when they're sown. You have to protect. That's why the Bible says don't despise the day of small things. People, when their ministry is small, they have a tendency to criticize it. That'll kill it. They have a, a tendency to think less of it. Even though God told you to do it and his, he shows up, if God shows up every time, it must be worth preserving. You got me? And so many times we'll look at something that has grown to full maturity and some of the stuff we're looking at we think is grown up in God ain't too much God at all. So you have to be careful with things in seed form. You have, just like you see abortion being so rampant, just because that baby isn't where he can fight for himself and cry and announce and make noise and, and demand attention, 
people think it's okay to get rid of it. And it's not. We've got to respect the seed of everything that God put into this earth. Amen? It's not right. So when things are small, that's when the enemy likes to move in and destroy them. So King Herod, it says here, Jesus was born during the reign of Herod, one of the family of Herods that ruled Palestine for several generations under Roman authority. When the three wise men came from the east to Jerusalem in search of the new king of the Jews, Herod called in the Jewish priests and scribes and asked them for information on the Messiah, where he was to be born. He then asked the three wise men when the star had appeared that had led them there. Herod's motivations in asking those things, of course, were fear of a potential rival for the throne and a desire to eliminate that rival immediately. That's you. When the devil sees you stepping out to do something for God, all the demons in hell come and park. Huh? They want to tell you who do you think you are. I don't see your gift going there. I saw your gift going nowhere. Uh, Apostle Davis, who came to our conference and ministered, his pastor, who is approved of by yada, 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 I don't even name the ministry. But he was approved by all these mucky muck people that everybody buys their tapes and books and loves them. And and they're wonderful. Don't get me wrong. But he told this gentleman, this gentleman wanted to sign up for a Bible school they had there or a school of ministry at the church. And he told him he didn't see him being a minister. He saw him being a janitor. Uh. I mean, not even a believer. You don't tell people that. You can do a believer's ministry. You don't have to be titled or anything like that. But let that man learn something about the things of God. So he was rejected from there. God started teaching him and training him. He goes over to the Philippines and he's got three and four hundred believers running into the streets praying for the sick and leading them to Christ janitor material I see he's going to be on a program on A&E with um, George Lopez the George Lopez heard about his ministry and had to come and see and brought a camera filming crew with him and filmed the whole thing this guy's ministering to people laying hands on the sick casting out devils and he's got George Lopez's attention George Lopez says I don't even let people touch me And he let all those people lay hands on him and pray for him. See, listen, man may not be able to see it. But as long as it's there, that's all that God will make sure. God will make sure your gift gets where it's supposed to go. Some people's gifts are too good for some atmospheres. I hate to say it that way, but that's the truth. You don't want to be where you're going to be. Look down upon it. Somebody can't encourage you and build you up. Get the moving. You got me? Just part ways. Love them. Kiss them. Goodbye. But hit it. Because love is what will cause your gift to grow. 
somebody willing to impart and take time with you is what will cause your gift to grow and flourish. You understand me? So then the angels announce his birth. But see, Herod, when he finds out Jesus is alive, he wants to kill him. And so the angels then are sent to the wise men to, instead of them going back and reporting to Herod the way Herod asked them to, the angels uh, speak to the wise men and they decide to go back a different way. Well, that makes Herod even more angry, but they don't care. You can't care how angry people get when you obey God. That's the last move of a dying devil. Is that after you've obeyed, then they want to tell you you did the wrong thing to see if you care and they can talk you out of doing the next thing God tells you to do. You don't know how many ministries get derailed. And trust me, they're going to show up. Sometimes your our early meetings, we have more witches. I said, God, where's the believers? Where's the straight folks? We have more witches at the meetings. Want to get up and take the mic and tell you what to do? And, and God lets them do it to see if you'll let them. So then after Herod wants to kill Jesus an angel appears to Joseph in a dream and tells and this is on page 73 arise take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt and you will be there until I bring you word now by this time Joseph has gotten accustomed to angelic visitation amen and direction and so that's really what God wants to establish sometimes, that we, we understand spiritual direction, we understand spiritual encouragement, so that we will trust his voice no matter who it comes through. You got me? And so then, then Joseph then is able to take uh, Jesus and Mary down to Egypt. Man. If he hadn't, they would have been subject to Herod's authority. Sometimes evil governments don't need to be obeyed. Amen. They need to be resisted. You got me? It's like the people who are out uh, um, protesting abortion. They're resisting evil. Now, they're not trying to break the laws or anything, but they're making their voice known and making their voice heard. And as long as God sees somebody down here who's willing to stand up for it, for him, he will come to our aid. I thank God for those people out there. I don't know what, what you think, but I thank God for them that they're constantly willing to remind people that this is wrong. You know, it's just not somebody down here knows it's wrong. So Joseph then has to take Mary and, and Jesus to Egypt. After Herod died and it was safe for Jesus' family to return to Israel... An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. You will see enemies that try to stand in your way of obeying God. They'll be moved out of the way. They'll be no more effective against you. That day will come. You just keep obeying God. 
you know, you might have to deal with them for a season because God's trying to see what you're going to do. You're going to obey him or you're going to obey man. The apostles had to deal with that all the time. They had constant pressure of the, the Jewish religious people against them. And so God is testing us to see if we'll stand firm and stand strong against the wiles of the enemy. And so with Joseph, they did that. Uh, the angels then were able to come and tell him when it was time. You notice he didn't go by hearsay. He didn't go by the, the newspaper. He didn't go by the messenger. He waited for God to tell him that it was okay. See, this is a test for everybody. It's a test for him to see if he'll train himself to the voice of God and train himself to the ear of God in spite of what he wants to do. And so if you will hold steady and let God move you when it's time for you to be moved, amen, you'll get there on time. You'll arrive there when God wants you to arrive there. And Jesus' ministry, there was angelic help for him at all times. The first instance we see is in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus was had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. See, it doesn't say that the devil showed up at the beginning of the fast. When did he show up? At the end. Amen. When you're weakest, when you're most vulnerable, he will show up at the end of fasting. Thinking that Jesus was like the Pharisees that he was always messing their heads up. But he didn't know Jesus got stronger at the end of the 40 days. He was quick and sharp. And <laughs> oh, no, devil. Uh, I don't fast like the Pharisees. Huh? <laughs> you got the wrong one today. Huh? Or the right one. Huh? Same, Satan came to me. He told him every single time. He said, it is written. And after that time, angels came and ministered to him, came and reassured him that he was in the will of God the Father, that he was doing the right thing. See, when those thoughts come to you, you ever had a time when your mind is just going back and forth like a ping pong ball? And then finally it settles out. And you finally think right again and you're just peaceful. I believe angels have apprehended them demons that attacked your mind. Hey, I like this guy. You understand me? Because they're around us all the time. What do you think they're doing just sitting up there looking while the devil makes you a hockey puck? Here's here's Barb today. Go. No. They're standing there and, and allowing, amen, the testing to take place. And then after you've passed the test, they reassure you. They calm you down. They say, girl, you ain't lost nothing. You just got a promotion, amen. You get an upgrade. Because you're fighting the good fight of faith. We don't do this just with our words and nothing happens. Your words are carried and, and, and enforced by the heavenly host. Amen? So they help us. They minister to us just like they did to the Lord. In the Garden of Gethsemane, 
the angels appeared to him and strengthened him. Why? The disciples were AWOL. Over there sleeping. Huh? That's a, that's a, no, I will. It's a sign. Don't feed them first. They just had the Last Supper, right? Don't get me started on saints and food, okay? So this is why we have a lunch break. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So the the disciples were, and I believe that they didn't have the ministry for what Jesus needed. They just didn't have it. That would have to come from the heavenly host. Angels are dedicated to their purpose. Amen. The demons and the holy angels. You got me? And that's one thing that, that they have is a determined will to carry out the instructions and ministry that God sends them to do. So Jesus, because he was in the garden and the enemy was he was he was fighting between heaven and earth, between God's purpose and what he wanted in his flesh. And it was a sincere battle that was going on Well, he had to win that battle. He wasn't going to win it with a bunch of sleepy disciples. Well, who gets to sit on your right hand? See, that's that's the kind of help he would have had. You understand what I'm saying? So when you need real help, God will send you real help. Amen. Won't send you to help. (laughs) Praise God. So an angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthened him. Later, when he was being arrested, he gave insight into the angelic forces that were at his disposal. When, when uh, the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, came to arrest him, Peter then, and see, this is why God let Peter sleep while Jesus was praying. Because the first thing that jumps in Peter's mind is that they can't arrest my own boy. It's my boy right here. I'm going to be sitting on his right hand. I don't know who's sitting on the left, but I'm getting her. I'm getting it right. I've been playing. I've been playing for that seat. I've been working for that seat. Huh? Not working for the anointing. I've been working for that seat. Just a thought. Huh? So <laughs> Peter... Peter jumps up and starts some of his crips and blood stuff. He cuts the guy's ear off, right? Jesus said, Peter, don't you know I could get 12 legions of angels? A legion being 6,000 to, what, 12,000 or 10,000, something like that, soldiers. So it's like, and I believe this is what you and I have available to us amen we're the body of christ if the head got it the body can have it amen that's a whole bunch of angels i can't multiply that fast right now but that's a whole i hadn't i had it multiplied last night i ain't got nothing done but that's a whole bunch of angels and surely enough just like elijah with the or elisha with the the servant and he looked around, he said, Father, open his eyes. And I said, whoa, huh? There was a wall of chariots with fire surrounding the enemy. 
Come on, y'all. We ain't no cheap people down here. Huh? Now, the devil may persecute us and pick and prod, but if push come to shove, we know what we got. Amen? We know what we got. So, and even after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, man, I like this. Angels attended him from conception to ascension, just like they do us. From the time we're conceived until the time we go home to be with the Lord, they attended him. The angels rolled a stone off the tomb when it was time for Jesus to come out. Amen? When he went through uh, hell and led captivity captive. I love it. The ones that thought they had you captive, he led them captive. Huh? The hunter gets captured by the gang. Huh? Woo! That's right. Huh? <laughs> Sister McKinney, I'll spare you. You don't have to come through. But anyway, you understand what I'm saying? You know the devil thinks he's got you. He's done this and done that. He can't have this. Who you think you are? People don't use you like like people like you. And I've been hearing that woman thing all my life. And people say, "Well, women ain't supposed to preach." I say, "You know what? Sit right there." <laughs> right. Get a front row seat. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say I know I'm going to preach because you ain't now with that attitude I don't want to hear what you got to say but that's a whole other story so the angels of God attended his resurrection rolled the stone away from the tomb it says when Jesus arose from the grave there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven Huh? Oh, they come noisy sometimes, folks. Amen? And came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as a dead man. Amen? So they don't come like real nice and real pleasant all the time. They come in full power oftentimes depending on what God has assigned them to do. Amen? It says, picture yourself as one of those guards, and perhaps you can appreciate a little better how they must have felt when that angel appeared and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the tomb. Proclaiming and participating in his return, and after 40 days in his resurrected body, Jesus ascended into heaven, and again, angels were involved. As Jesus' disciples watched him ascend, two angels appeared beside them, and the angels prophesied, this same Jesus, amen. He says, why stand ye there gazing, amen. He said, this same Jesus will come in like form with his holy angels. So from conception, ascension, and return, angels will be accompanying Jesus through every situation, amen. He'll have his holy angels with him and will sit on his throne of glory. 
finished work. Amen. In heaven and earth and under the earth. It's all his now. He has claimed it all. And it belongs to him rightfully. And so as heirs of salvation, we have the same protection. We have the same history. We have the same availability. Whenever we need the angelic protection and help of God, we have that available to us. Praise God. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Amen. Praise God. God is good. Miss Nola, do we have another five minutes to do this or? Okay. Praise God. We're going to do our quiz.